This is Laree Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. about maternal mental health and new medical treatment for postpartum depression. Now, you should just know uh, that Ms. Arias, or I was going to say Dr. Arias, because you have so many degrees. There are so many degrees in here. I feel like you should have PhD should be one of them. Uh, but Gina Arias is a well-respected public health advocate, registered nurse, a writer with more than 25 years of experience in her field, much of her activism centering on education policy and training. She f- currently works with Moms Rising and works with the maternal justice team in that space. And she is involved in their on-the-ground uh, and online organizing of more than a million people who are working to achieve economic security for all moms, women, and families. I said she mentioned... She has a number of degrees, including a bachelor of, bachelor's of arts in international relations, master's in international affairs, and then she went back to get another bachelor's of nursing. She's I'm going to call her Dr. Arias just because I think she should have that title. She served in the Peace Corps in Niger and has focused a lot on the pervasiveness of anti-blackness in the Latinx community. Gina Arias, Dr. Gina Arias, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for being with us today. Uh-oh, we have you on mute. Hold on. Let's see if we can get your voice there we go. I think I hear you now. You hear me now? Yes, okay. perfect. Welcome to the show. Uh, Miss Ed, highly educated, has all the receipts, and which is why I'm so glad you were here to talk with us about something that is such a serious issue that is only, I think, recently getting the type of attention that it should, and that is maternal mental health. And I was very excited that there are some new treatment possibilities for postpartum depression. Talk with us about the, the general landscape of maternal mental health right now, particularly as our audience and this nation is becoming even more familiar with the maternal maternal death crisis, the the disparities between white women and women of color. Give us the general landscape of what we're talking about when we include phrases like maternal mental health in our dialogue. So we are also seeing those same disparities, unfortunately, in maternal mental health. Mm. Um, It is uh, a problem that Black women and women of color bear the brunt of. But I will say generally up to one in five women suffer from maternal mental health conditions. And research shows that this number doubled, uh, more than doubled during the pandemic. Um, One in five women report not being even screened for depression. And yet depression Mm -hmm. is the most common um, complication of pregnancy. Um, And and maternal mental health condition. So there are other conditions that, um, you know, birthing folks um, deal with, including OCD, um, PTSD, uh, bipolar disorder, and postpartum psychosis, which is very rare, but is very serious. But again, depression is the most common. You know, what's interesting is that I think for so many women or so many people who have had children, recognizing depression as a symptom of postpartum like we're again we're becoming a little bit more familiar with it but i remember going through a whole host of emotional outcry out fall out whatever you want to call it after my second child was born very dramatic emergency c-section completely not at all what we'd planned but i even though and i felt i was depressed and i felt like i was definitely grappling with postpartum depression i didn't 
act on it. I didn't really do anything. I didn't get any counseling. I didn't ask anybody for any help with it. It just sort of seemed to me this is, I had a traumatic experience. I'll be fine and move on. But it, it took a lot, actually, in retrospect. I should have gotten some help and I should have spoken with somebody about it. The fact that one in five women are experiencing this and that it's the most common form of postpartum ailment or symptom says to me that there should be way more discussion about this than there currently is. And yet, we're just not often seeing it. Talk with us about some of the campaigns Moms Rising has around raising awareness about this issue, particularly as we're also becoming clear that for black women in particular, uh, depression shows up as irritability. We see, oh, we're seeing all of these different conversations about how depression shows up. Give us some understanding as to how Moms Rising is working to elevate this issue in our, in our popular discourse. So first of all, thank you for sharing your story. Um, that's a great segue because one of the things that Moms Rising is doing is um, you know, asking women uh, to share their stories because mm -hmm. this is really an, a very important part of the awareness raising. Um, as you were telling your story, I'm thinking to myself, yep, same thing mm -hmm. with me. I had an emergency C-section, I was depressed, but it, you know, it was only in retrospect that I could see, oh, you know, something was, was really wrong that I should probably have gotten some help for, but I didn't even have the language or, you know, we also deal with in our communities, the stigma, there's a lot of yep. social and cultural stigma around mental health needs. We just figure, you know, just power through. Um, and I'm glad you brought up the point of um, the, uh, the stress, it's showing up differently. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we're advocating for here at Moms Rising is that there be racial equity in some of these screening strategies, because we know that for Black women um, and other women of color, sometimes uh, we don't use that language, depressed, anxious, um, but it is showing up as stress. And right. so um, that's one of the things that we think should be measured as well. Um, and also kind of bringing down, not kind of bringing down the cutoff scores for um, what is, you know, the threshold for, for detecting depression in particular. Oh, talk with us more about that. What are these, what are these scores? How does that work? You know, I don't, have I don't know um, the nitty gritties of how those screenings um, you know work, but I do know that one uh, they are universally recommended and they're not being universally mm. um, instituted. Right as I said earlier, one in five women report not even being screened for depression. Wow. So we're we're stressing that they should be universally instituted with a r racial equity. Um, lens on those um, screenings. Mm. And OBGYNs should be getting reimbursed for these things because oftentimes they're not. And as we know, in the doctor's office, if something is can't be reimbursed or, you know, is not can't be billed for, it's not happening. Oh, and so that, that's part of why a lot of women are being, um, you know, going undetected. I had no idea this wasn't a covered expense. That is insane. Nobody's going to want to do it. If they have to pay for it out of pocket, they're, they don't even want to touch us when we come to their office. Anyway, not all you, not all doctors. Right. Yes. I get it. But in general, you're yes. right. It's quick. It's, you know. Wow. It's in huh. Yeah. So the fact yeah. that you one in five of us are not being screened, I think I said one in five earlier are suffering from postpartum. I, I think I misquoted you. But this idea that we're not being screened, if I'm going into a healthcare provider and no one is asking me anything about like my mental state of being, should I ask? Is that part of the advocacy that women are or and pregnant people are being asked to take on on themselves? And, and if so, is, is there any particular thing I should be asking for a particular type of screening or type of test that I should be asking my doctor to use? 
I mean, what we would say is to just to speak openly to your OBGYN, to your health, whoever uh, your healthcare provider is mm. during those follow-up visits, you know, um, we, we can't, you can't tell people exactly what words to use, but like, if you're stressed, if you're overwhelmed, um, you know, say that, I mean, you mm. know, what, what will happen after that? We, I don't know, but, um, but they should at the very least give you some sort of referral, yeah. uh, you know, for, and, or hook you up with some groups or something, because uh, it's hard to really go it alone. And that is what a lot of women are doing. Mm. Many, many. And I think that's also a function of where one might live, what resources are available in your community. So at the very least posing the question or, or making the statement, I feel really exhausted or I feel overwhelmed. And I think, honestly, black women, women of color using that language is so shocking to some people. They might just be wondering, maybe we should get her an evaluation because we don't rare, we don't often say those things anyway. But I, I think right. being able to say with your full chest, you know, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm feeling like I can't, like I'm very stressed out. I'm, and being able to use those words, which may be foreign to us, y'all, we're gonna have to pick up this language and figure out how to inject it into our conversations with the OBGYNs because we are going to have to start signaling to them them that we need help because apparently they're clearly not going to pick it up unless we are engaging in some sort of self-advocacy and, and speaking out um, on our own. And and I guess part of the good side of this conversation is that there are apparently some uh, new ways to treat postpartum depression, this thing that so many of us suffer through and tell ourselves, oh, it's just, you just got to love the baby harder and you'll be fine. <laughs> what are some of these new treatments and, and should we be as excited about them as I'm starting to feel? Well, so these new treatments are not yet available, but will Damn be in the, in the final corner, almost, almost, <laughs> almost in the there. final of this year, they will be publicly available. Wow. And what we know about this medication, it's called Zoranolone, um, generic, generic uh, name for it. Zerzuve will be the brand name. Um, it is the first and only oral medication for uh, to treat postpartum depression. Mm. And one of the things that was seen in the trials is that it rapidly improved postpartum depression symptoms, um, had a sustained effect at least today, 45. This is just from the studies that, you know, were, were, um, were done. Mm. Uh, women who breastfeed who breastfed were not included in the trial. So that's important to note. Oh, wow. However, on the positive side, um, we know that at least one study engaged a higher number of Black and Latinx women um, than it's generally observed in these trials. Huh. So uh, regarding the medication, I mean, we are hopeful that it will be a tool in um, you know the arsenal around postpartum depression. Uh, we're we're clear, however, that it's not a panacea. Um, it, this isn't, you know, just a biological thing that's happening. We have societal underlying issues that are also driving maternal mental health conditions and, and you know, and uh, are, are predictors of postpartum depression. Mm. So I'm anticipating that part of the challenge is going to be talking about these medicinals in a way that one feels relevant to women of color and two in birthing people of color and and two um is going to grapple with the fact that well, i ain't taking no medicine 
I ain't, you ain't gonna get me on no pills. I don't know what's in the medicine. I don't. And, and I think that's going to be a lot of the <laughs> of the effort because these medicinals often come available, and those of us who need them the most are often dealing with so many other factors that we are sometimes the least prepared to take advantage of them. Do you have any insight on on campaign work that Moms Rising is engaged in, or other sorts of activities that we, the general public, can engage in that can help normalize the idea of using medicinals in order to help us get access to the resources that can make that post-birth reality a lot more pleasant, a lot less challenging, and and sort of more in line with what we all kind of hope and pray it will be. Right. Well, you know, you bring up a good point. I mean, as you telling your story, I'm remembering also had an emergency C-section. I took one extra strength Tylenol after that. That was it. I refused Mm. to take anything else. I was going to breastfeed and I did breastfeed, but you know, so there is definitely, um, that, that skepticism around, um, medicinals that often exist in our communities and it's fair. Um, you know, we don't have a campaign to say, Hey, you know, you should definitely be, uh, running out and getting this because, you know, honestly, it hasn't even come out yet, but, um, one of the things that we will be keeping our eye on is uh, access, equity, you know, equitable access, because the pricing has not yet been determined. Mm. So we yet do not know what this will cost consumers. Um, and so, and as we know, oftentimes uh, there isn't equitable access. Folks who do need it can't can't you know access it because of the high cost. So. Yeah. So that is one thing that we'll be keeping our eye on. Mm, that's a challenge. And and yeah, it, I guess it is hard to say, get the medicine before it's here. I think it would be okay to say, talk to your doctors about what a medicine like this could do, like, and, and for whom it is intended, what might, and really, I think this is one of the reasons why I think doulas are so important. And I know we've had a number of Moms Rising folks come on and talk about the power of doulas, being able to have these conversations with a variety of medical professionals who are on your team, right? Not someone that you see as sort of in opposition to you, but people who you see as a part of your team. I think that could also do a lot, one, to just open up our dialogue about what postpartum depression looks like, but also also give you some unbiased information and and resources and and details about how a medicinal like this might be a part of your arsenal might be one of the many tools that you use because you said one extra strength Tylenol and I'm like girl you my stomach clenched <laughs> just as I'm listening to I was like no I can't mm. I don't want to take anything yeah, so I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. Like that, that's literally, and, and so many of us are like that, particularly if you're going to be breastfeeding and you, you know, everything that you eat, we're told if you're, if you're going to breastfeed, everything you eat passes to the baby. And so I, I also forewent a number of things because it's like, I don't want my infant to, so we, we, these kids will never know how much we sacrifice for them, Gina Arias. They will just never, <laughs> they will they say (laughs) they'll never get how much we love them or just sacrifice and uh, they'll never get it but um i'm grateful at the very least that we have organizations like moms rising that can keep us updated connect us with political campaigns we were just talking about you guys yesterday telling parents as they're going into school you need to be joining organizations like moms rising so that you can be organized and prepared to really grapple with the social and economic issues that our families navigate that frankly we need to be organized in order to grapple with effectively so i'm really grateful for you joining us today. How can people follow you and the organization and connect more with the work that they're doing over there? So you can go on momsrising.org. As a matter of fact, if you go on the website and you go to the blog section, 
search maternal mental health uh, awareness, uh, you will find a place where you can tell your own story if you so choose around your birth um, and your postpartum experience. But we have other organizations as well that are working on these issues, including the Blue Dot Project, which um, instituted May as Maternal Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm. And we also work with Fourth Trimester Project, which is newmomhealth.com. So I would say any of those, we also work with Shades of Blue out in Texas, shout out to Kay, um, and, and just absolutely tell your story, absolutely advocate for yourself. And it, we know it is hard. We're, we're moms, we've been there. Um, you know, sometimes you're just focused on the baby mm. and, uh, and you're just not, you know, you you don't have the wherewithal sometimes. So yeah. our partners and, and families and, and friends can also serve um, as advocates and help us through these, you know, challenging times when we first have a child. Mm. And when you third or fourth or fifth have a child, because sometimes you have no problem whatsoever and it's the last one. It's like, holy crap, what is what is happening? <laughs> Gina Arias, I, I appreciate you. And, and I'm so grateful again, as I said, for the work that this organization does. Thank you once again for sharing this information with us. We will be on the lookout for the resources. Take care.